listening to the official podcast of Oasis Community Church, where everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, and anything's possible. If you'd like to learn more about Oasis, request prayer, or get in touch with a pastor, visit our website at oasischurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Good morning, everyone. It's great to be back with you. Thanks to those who set up our beautiful table today. It looks great, doesn't it? So there is a national holiday coming up uh, this week. Perhaps you've heard. It's called Thanksgiving. In the Jewish calendar, uh, we are about at a time that is known as Simchat Torah. In In a Jewish calendar, every year they'll read through the Torah. The rabbis will. So Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Takes them a year. So they're reading at a relatively slow pace. And uh, one year, Angela and I had spent a semester in Israel. I uh, was there for the college. And we had various groups of students come to visit us. But there was a, a section of time where we were without the students. And we had gone on a little kind of in the long weekend kind of vacay. And we were at this little hotel in Galilee. It's on the northeast side of the lake. And w- what I didn't know is that particular hotel catered especially to Orthodox Jews. And so I'm not a Jew. Uh, And uh, so when I got there, I was surprised by a few things. So, for example, on on Friday night, um, the elevators stopped working. um, Or they worked, but you couldn't push a button to make them move. They all just moved to one level at a time. They stopped at every floor. there is something in the Torah that says about not, you know, remembering the Sabbath and keeping it holy, and that had been interpreted into not working. And so to make fire in particular was an act of work, and I guess to push the button on the elevator was to spark some electricity, and so they weren't going to take a chance of not keeping the Sabbath, so they didn't push the button. And then the lights in the room, so they, you could have lights on Saturday, but you would set a timer for when the lights would come on and go off so that you yourself weren't, you know, creating the fire uh, that day. So that was, that was all new to me. And I was, um, you know, I love to learn. And so I'm always interested in new things like that. But what was really special was that night. Um, the celebration looked like it was going to last forever. Like, you know, little old rabbis with long beards and They were holding hands and kind of dancing and spinning around in circles. They were so happy. It was so celebratory. It was like, you know, their team had won the Super Bowl. It was like um, their, you know, long lost friend had come home. And all they were celebrating was Simchat Torah. They were celebrating another year. They had read the Torah another year. They had been faithful to God and God had been faithful to them. And I just love that. I love the sense of tradition, especially faithful, religious, spiritual traditions. Which brings us to this day. And this day on the church calendar is known as Christ the King. It's not something that we have celebrated at Oasis over the years. But in the history of the church, this is known as Christ the King. And this is the last Sunday of the calendar year, the Christian calendar. So next Sunday starts the new year. Um, The new year starts with Advent. And I have talked a bit about this. In fact, we have these icons that go around the room. 
So starting in kind of my left, your right, the first one represents Advent, and the second one, the second season in the Christian calendar, which is Christmas, and then Epiphany, and then if you move around, kind of going this way, we come to Lent, and then to Easter, and then finally to Pentecost. And then the rest of the year, interestingly enough, which is the majority of the year, is called Ordinary Time. I love that too. I love the fact that in the church calendar, while there are lots of things to celebrate, lots of feast, and you can, you can tell by looking at me, I'm more of a feaster than I'm a faster. <laughs> there is a time for fasting. That's an important spiritual discipline. And we even have a particular season in the calendar, Lent. I mean, if you look at the colors, see how it's dark and blue and purple and Jesus has his head down? That's the fasting time. But all of these other times are feasting times. So out of six major seasons, five of them are feast and one of them is fast. And I'm like, this is the religion for me. No, just kidding. <laughs> I believe this is true. I've been, I've been redeemed. That's why it's the religion for me. Um, but I, I do like the fact that we have more feasts than we have fast. So um, this tradition, though, or, or let me, to, to ordinary time, most of life, though, most of life is neither some mountaintop experience or some deep valley experience. Like we all face hard times. And I don't need to, to go through a lot of examples for you about what hard times might look like because we've all, right, been through this pandemic together and we've had financial struggles and we've had health struggles and we've had isolation and quarantine struggles. We get that they're hard times. But we also know that there are some good times. You know, people get married and children get born and people get new jobs or they get a promotion or... I don't know, there are all sorts of things. Family get together. There are things to celebrate. But most of life is not the best day of your life, <laughs> and most of life is not the worst day of your life. Most of your life is somewhere in between, which we call ordinary. But I think it's, it's, excru it's excruciatingly important, very, very important, that we don't just serve God when things are good, like, thank God, you know, things are working out. And we don't just seek to serve God when things are bad, like, oh, God, God, I need you now, you know, this is rough. You know, there's been an accident, there's been a bad diagnosis, somebody lost their job. Like, we can all turn to God in hard times, and it's easy to turn to God in really, really good times. But... An interesting thing about judgment, judgment doesn't ever seem to have a positive effect in Scripture. Like any time judgment comes, people get punished, some of them die, but those who don't die kind of go back to their sin. Like punishment is of no long-lasting value. What does seem to be of value, though, is sacrificial love. Right? God comes and gives of himself and it transforms our hearts. The more we learn about Christ, the more we grow in very natural uh, devotion to him. Like, if I could give you a, the best picture of who Christ is 
and you could receive that revelation of who Christ is, you wouldn't struggle to follow him. You would long to follow him. It is a, it is a beautiful thing of who Christ is. And we, we, people, are attracted to that beauty. So ordinary time, which we've been in since early June, comes to an end today on Christ the King Sunday. So what would Christ the King Sunday mean for us? Well, it means that all that we've been through, Advent through Pentecost and then all of this ordinary time, leads us to this point where, unlike the Jews who are just kind of celebrating another year of having read the Torah, we are celebrating another year serving Christ as King. You know, the term Christ means anointed one. It's a synonym for the term Messiah, which also means anointed one. And it had to do with Jewish prophets uh, predicting the coming of anointed king that God would send to deliver Israel. Right? So that's the story. God's, Israel's in bondage, and they were in bondage to all sorts of people, right? The Egyptians, and then they, they had a lot of squabbles with other Canaanites, but then they're in bondage to the Assyrians, and then they're in bondage to the Babylonians, and then they're in bondage to the Persians, and then they're in bondage to the Greeks, and then they're in bondage to the Romans. Like, they know bondage. <laughs> and they need a deliverer. And once Babylon had placed them in bondage, their prophets started to say, look, things are bad now, but they won't always be bad. God will send someone. God will anoint a king to come and deliver us. But as it turns out, the one who came was none other than Jesus of Nazareth, who wasn't simply the king of Israel, but he was the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And he came not simply to deliver Israel, but to deliver all of humanity. And if we take Paul seriously in Romans chapter 8, he didn't just come to deliver all of humanity, but all of creation. Paul will say all creation has waited, groaning for this day of redemption. And so it's Christ the King that we serve. Now we have a lot of things to be thankful for this week, right? We can be thankful for our nation. We can be thankful for our families. We can be thankful for provision. And Thanksgiving is a national holiday, right? It's not a holiday that is celebrated in other countries. It's, it's, it's kind of unique uh, to us, at least this time of year anyway. Uh, when we were living in England, when we'd, uh, we'd moved there for, for me to do a degree, and uh, it was Thanksgiving Day. Uh, Angela and I were, were a little homesick. We're feeling the sense of distance and a little bit of loss, you know, kind of, you know, five or 6,000 miles away from the nearest family member. Uh, this is, at that time, we only had Katie. This was before the other girls were born. And so I made my way down the grocery store because it's just a regular Thursday, right, in Sheffield. And uh, I get, make my way down the little grocery store and I buy a few things. And I'm standing in line and I get to the cashier and I say to her, Happy Thanksgiving. And she's like, what's that? I'm like, well, it's an American holiday. She said, what are you celebrating? Hmm. Uh, 
were celebrating when the pilgrims landed at Plymouth Rock. She said, do many people celebrate it? <laughs> like, it's a national holiday. She said, okay. And then as I'm leaving the store, I hear her say to the person behind me in line, happy Thanksgiving, it's an American holiday. <laughs> so this, this year, I want us, as I always want us, to find our truest identity, though, in Christ. Like, who we really are is who we are in Christ. Like, Paul would go as far to say, for me, to, to live as Christ and to die as gain. Like, I'd rather be with Christ than to be alive. But if I'm going to be alive, I'm going to be alive in Christ. So that we actually live that out. I mean, we say this when we come to the table. We, we pray that the, the Spirit of God would descend upon these gifts and they'd become the body and blood of Christ. And we use that imagery, right? Paul will say, did you not know that your bodies are members of the body of Christ? Or he'll say, did you all not know that y'all's body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Or we'll use, the, we'll use the, um, the metaphor of family of God. And I think the time of family, you know, we call each other brother and sister. That was... That was really common in years gone by, maybe. We don't use that as much as we used to. Maybe they still use it in like monasteries or something. You know, Brother Francis and Brother Ignatius, imagining some names of monks. I don't th- it's been a while since I've said, said this uh, to you. Forgive the self-indulgence today, a lot of personal stories. But I, I grew up, you know, in a mountain kind of Pentecostal home, Pentecostal church, and so everybody was called brother and sister. Like that's, that's how everybody was just known. And so my mom had two older brothers, uh, Garland and Harold. I have not changed the names to protect the innocent. That, that's their actual names. So they were Uncle Garland and Uncle Harold. My dad had two older brothers, uh, Randall and Don, and they were Uncle Randall and Uncle Don. And so I kept going to this, we kept going to this church like every day, seemed like. You know, twice on Sunday, Wednesday night, a few other times during the week, whatever was going on. We were always at church. And they called the pastor Brother Stanfield. His name was Dole Stanfield. So I'm, I'm a smart kid. My, other, my parents' other brothers I call uncle. So I call Dole Stanfield Uncle Stanfield. And they loved it and they encouraged it. And to the day he died, and I mean, he's passed now, but I still refer to him as Uncle Stanfield. Right, because it's a family. And this image of a table, I think, fits very well that metaphor of family. When we come to the table, we are coming to a family meal. A family meal that asks us to lay down our enmity. Right? God has gone through enough to deal with sin and sickness and death and disease. And he's just calling us now to come to the table. And so that when we come to the table, not only through the work of Christ do we have reconciliation with the Father, but also through the work of Christ we are to have reconciliation with one another. 
in, in, the, in the practice that we do, you know, we come, we sing, we pray, we read scriptures, we uh, say prayers, we hear testimonies, we hear a sermon, and we, ha- and we share our grace and peace. The sharing of grace and peace every week, traditionally, the, the background of that isn't just, you know, we haven't seen each, seen each other in a week and it's nice to catch up. Now, granted, we haven't seen each other in a week and it is nice to catch up. But the theological purpose behind it is, I am right with God, and before I come to the table, I'm going to be right with everyone I'm with. So that the peace of God isn't just vertical, the peace of God is also horizontal. So that God has made peace with us, so that we can be at peace with God and with each other, and then we come to the family meal, to the table, to receive, once again, from God, that spiritual food that is the flesh of Christ that gives us life and the blood of Christ that forgives our sins. Um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer is often quoted as having said that when, when Christ bids a person, when, when Christ calls a person, he bids them come and die. When Christ calls a person, he bids them come and die. Now, that might not sound like the most Thanksgiving thing to say, but on Christ the King Sunday, we need to know that Jesus is offering us not just, as said in the video, not just life, but life more abundantly. And life more abundantly here doesn't mean just having more stuff, but it's having a truer fuller, more flourishing life, a life that is not um, plagued by unforgiveness and bitterness and hatred and envy and ambition, but a life that is filled with love, like we talked about last week, a love that is patient and kind, it doesn't keep track of wrongs, right? It prefers the other. It's just a better way to live. But I think Bonhoeffer's quote is often misquoted because, I mean, he does say when Christ calls a person, he bids them come and die. But the the greater context, I think, can be helpful. So this is what he says. This is Bonhoeffer writing on uh, discipleship. As we embark upon discipleship, we surrender ourselves to Christ in union with his death. We give our lives to death. Thus it begins. That's important. Thus it begins. That's not how it ends. It's how it begins. Thus it begins. The cross is not the terrible end to an otherwise God-fearing and happy life. But it means it meets us at the beginning of our communion with Christ. In other words, we live a life of sacrifice And that's how this thing gets started. But where that will end is a life filled, a a life of flourishing, a a life that we can be um, full and happy. Like to be thankful. We have these cards on the chairs for you today. And it simply says, I am thankful for. So just, just think of that word thankful. So you know what thank means, and you know what full means, right? You are full of thanks. 
full of gratitude. Just imagine, imagine a life like that where you can be full of gratitude and full of compassion and full of courage and full of joy and full of hope. That's a good life. And it's a life that you don't get by grasping for it and striving for it and trying to to win or beat. It's, It's actually a life that you obtain by giving your life away. I know it's paradoxical, right? To give your life away would seem that you'd have to lose it. But Jesus says when we give our lives away, we actually gain it. There's that passage of scripture that says, what good would it do for a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? Our friends at Wycliffe Bible Translators over in Orlando were translating that passage of scripture for a people group who did not have a concept of the soul. The person was a ultimately unified thing. A person is just the person. There's not like a, a soul that inhabits a body. They didn't have that concept in any way, shape, or form. So how are you going to translate? It's better to, um, what, what would you gain, right, to, if you gained the world and lost your soul? How are you going to translate this, that to a group of people that have no concept of soul? So this is how they translated it. What good would it do to cut off your head and sell it in order to buy a hat? That's how they translated it. What could it do to sell your head in order to buy a hat? I love that. I just think that's such a good translation. What would it do? What good would it do to sell your head to buy a hat? But that's exactly what I think we do sometimes. We're selling our heads trying to buy hats, trying to get ahead in this world when we're missing this is the way to be. Like, When Jesus calls us, he bids us come and die so that we can then live. Live a life like his life. Live a life of joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and goodness and self-control. That is the good life. Uh, Recently, I was at a retirement party of a dear friend. And there's this beautiful toast that was given for him by by one of his um, colleagues, employees, actually. And he said several things in it that I thought kind of resonated with this this message. One comes from uh, Paul Tillich, the theologian, who says that he saw himself called to, how did he say it? Um, Sometimes I think it is my mission to bring faith to the faithless, and doubt to the faithful. (laughs) So faith to the faithless, that is, if you don't know who Christ really is, the one who loves your soul, the one who loves your body, the one who is willing in the name of love to die for you, then I want you to know that. I want you to know that. Have faith in that. Put your trust in Christ. But sometimes we put our trust in some caricature of Christ. It's not who Christ really is. It's Christ kind of reformed into our own image. The Christ that we would make if we were making Christ, right? 
we've kind of made, remade God in our own image. And so troubling those thoughts, I think, is part of my responsibility so that we might be able to see who Christ really is. Because in this world, we will never quite fit in. Stanley Hauerwas refers to Christians as resident aliens. The Apostle Paul says in Philippians that we are ambassadors of another kingdom. Right? I mean, I can pull out my driver's license, it says Florida on it, or I can pull out my passport, it says the United States of America. But ultimately, my citizenship is in the New Jerusalem. I belong to that once and future city, the heavenly city that's coming to earth in the end. My king is Jesus, not someone else. I can't have allegiance to anything or to anyone because my allegiance fully and completely has already been given over to Christ. I am his and he is mine. So the other thing that was said about my friend was that he had lived a life, uh, life and work. We were all work friends that were there to celebrate his retirement. And it said that he had taught us how to build longer tables instead of higher fences. And if there ever was a time, church, that we need longer tables and lower fences, the time is now. So I bid you, come today. Come with your thankfulness. Receive once again from our Lord the love and the mercy and the grace and the forgiveness that he offers us. But let that transform you so that you can become the body of Christ so that you can be Christ in your neighborhood, in your home, at the grocery store, out on I-4. The world needs Christ and Christ in us is the Christ that they're going to see. So come. We hope you were blessed by today's podcast. If you liked what you heard and want to support us, you can do so by subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can leave us a review on iTunes, and if you want to contribute to Oasis financially, you can go to oasischurch.org. May the Lord bless you and keep you, and may God's face shine upon you and give you peace. Amen. Amen.